You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Thomas Frank is the author of One Market Under God, What's the Matter with Kansas, and The Wrecking Crew. He's a columnist for the Wall Street Journal. Thank you for joining me, Thomas. You got it, Rick. Well, Thomas, everything's flowing back to the way it used to be, from tea to shining tea. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Yeah, it is It is funny. I mean, I, look, I was an optimistic guy. Uh, about a year ago, do you, you remember all the news stories saying we had you know, turned some kind of historical corner, and that the conservative era, which began—I mean, depending on how you count—in 1968 or in 1980, that that was finally over. Yeah, and that you know, we were on our way to this—you know—new, uh, you know, under the leadership of Barack Obama, we were on, on our way to a, uh, you know revival of progressive politics and well rick turns out it just ain't so no no <laughs> you're calling i mean it's not funny i shouldn't laugh i'm it's 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 what's amusing to me okay what's amusing to me rick is that you've got a populist you know grassroots movement out there the tea party movement you know it's very very wary about being co-opted uh, it imagines that what it's doing is completely original and that nobody has ever thought of this before. And, in fact, it's a replay of, you know, all these various right-wing uprisings uh, from time immemorial, by which I mean, you know, the last 30, 40 years. <laughs> and, uh, I wish it was immemorial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's got the same leadership in Washington. In fact, the leadership in Washington is so familiar that, uh, that there's something kind of frightening about it. Well, it, it, what interests me is that, I mean, the people who are leading this supposed, you know, ultra-freedom, ultra-libertarian you know, ultra libertarian movement uh, are the same people who got the Republicans in just a boiling pot of trouble two years ago. <laughs> yes, I mean, they right. dropped them roasting but, uh, into the pan. That's, exact, that's exactly right. And this is—let me uh, take a step back here and say that uh, the way I, you know, sort of came to this subject was— there's a, a big story in the Washington Post uh, about a week and a half ago about uh, the D.C. leadership of the uh, grassroots Tea Party movement, okay? And I know it sounds like a contradiction in terms because the Tea Party movement imagines that it's, you know, that it's, that it's uh, this sort of knee plus ultra of populism, that it doesn't have leadership, you know, that sort of thing. But, of course, every grassroots movement also has a D.C. Uh, uh, you know, leadership or, you know, coordinating headquarters or whatever, however you want to put it. Um, they all have this. They always have. And, uh, uh, and, and so the Washington Post did a rundown on the various organizations that sort of serve as this D.C. leadership. Now, that's not to detract from, you know, the, 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 the local leadership that lots of people have, have shown in building their, you know, neighborhood tea party or whatever it is, you know, it should, I'm, you know no, no insult to them, but mm-hmm. nevertheless, movements do have, have leaderships. And if, if you don't want to call it that, then you can say the people who will come into power if and when these guys prevail. Mm. So who are these people? Well, here's the, the creepy thing. So I was reading the Washington Post story about who these people are. And 
the names names started to leap out at me from the page. Now, I don't know if you remember this or not, Rick, but my last book, uh, The Wrecking Crew, has, a lot of it is about the uh, uh, disgraced lobbyist Jack Abramoff. Right, right. Was, the, the book was supposed to be a study of conservative government and conservative Washington, D.C., and the mm-hmm. way I, I used his career as one of my sort of points of entry. Yeah, it was a character arc. It is the subject, yeah, because we know so much about him and what he did. You know, we have Mm -hmm. all those emails and his billing records and all that sort of thing. We can say fairly precisely how he operated. And so he he helps us to understand how conservative D.C. worked. And... um, and it was creepy reading these these stories that so many of the people that were part of his operation just a few short years ago are now uh, or that had something to do with you know people that he lobbied or that he lobbied very successfully or lobbyists that were on his staff are now uh, in the leadership of the new grassroots movement. It's <laughs> in fact it's like a it's there's something really horrifying about it you know that uh, that these people have gone from this sort of position of ultimate insiderhood, you know, lobbying along with Jack to, uh, uh, to, 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 to being leaders of this sort of ultimate grassroots movement. Well, I think it's, uh, I mean, I'm curious how many of these Tea Partiers are ready to go over there and work in these re-education camps making uh, factory <laughs> garments in the Marianas. What yeah, do you think? Well, that was, I was sort of having some fun with them there, but uh, it, it, when I wrote The Wrecking Crew, I, I the, the chapter of Jack Abramoff's story that really got me, and you know that most of the media accounts about Jack were about um, about his his lobbying for the Indian casinos because that's I mean that's what he's in jail for was mm-hmm. the the tricks that he pulled when when he was working on that account or if you want to you know call it that I mean he was also defrauding his clients and that sort of thing. But he had another uh, uh, client, and that was the Marianas Islands, and everything he did for them, or pretty much everything, as far as we know, was was legal. Uh, I mean, it's reprehensible. It's, it's disgusting. It's loathsome, but it's perfectly legal. And you want to know what he did, Rick? Uh, sure, sure. <laughs> he, well, the Marianas Islands uh, is is a, you know it's a archipelago off in the Western Pacific, and uh, it's part of the U.S. But they control their own immigration and their own minimum wage laws uh, because of the deal that they that they got with the U.S. when they when they signed up to become part of our country. And uh, you can basically guess what happens next. If a country, if if a, if a state were to be able to control this, and the state was, you know, the people who were there would basically say, you know, let's all become sweatshop owners, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and let's import people from these other countries. Well, that's this is what they do there, anyways, or did. I mean, it's it's winding down now, but they uh, imported people by, you know, the boatload from China, the Philippines, Thailand. Places like that, uh, and they work in they worked in these garment factories that were surrounded by barbed wire. They often weren't allowed to leave; <laughs> they had to stay in the barracks. It was, you know, hey, they were it, they were free from freedom. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay, so so this this system uh, caught the attention of various uh, officials during the Clinton administration. They're like, hey, what's going on here? You can't be doing this. You know, we're going to crack down. And so the Marianas uh, hired Jack Abramoff. The garment manufacturers there hired Jack Abramoff to, to keep the government from cracking down on them. And how does, and Jack sold the conservative, remember conservatives controlled Congress at the time. Uh, the Republicans controlled Congress at the time. And so his idea was always to 
uh, to sell his clients to the conservative movement. Mm -hmm. And he did it in this case by selling it as a libertarian uh, crusade. Mm -hmm. You know, let's keep these guys free from the meddling hand of big government. After all, it's just the market. You know, they they have the, it's it's free enterprise, free markets out there. And um, this is sick to say, uh, but he succeeded Mm. using that line. He succeeded, you know, uh, he he did a great job. And the Marianas was able to keep going for a long time, uh, up until quite recently here. And they, you know, those those garment factories have all closed now, but not because uh, the government ever cracked down on them. It's because the loophole that they were based on finally expired. You know, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, he 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 definitely earned his pay from the Marianas Islands, and a whole bunch of characters from the Marianas saga are back and are are now. You know, uh, well, how should I put this? Um, they are uh, the DC head of the Tea Party movement. They're drinking the tea or Kool Aid or tea. <laughs> yeah. I say. <laughs> As you say, now you gotta love a guy named Patrick Pizzella. <laughs> yes, I've never met him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, you know, uh, it's. it's uh, I don't know how much you can tell about a guy from his name, but he was. Uh, he was on. He was one of of Abramoff's uh, lobbyists. Of, you know, to all reports, he was a very effective lobbyist, very good at lobbying. You know, and he. Uh, one of his jobs was. One of the ways that Jack sold the Marianas was that uh, they devised this scheme where they would take uh, members of Congress, um, aides to congressmen, and um, intellectuals um, or think tank people. They would take them to the Marianas Islands, which, in addition to being you know a, a, a you know a sweatshop a gulag, are also well, they're very beautiful. You know, they have beautiful beaches. It's in, the, it's in the tropics, you know. They have beautiful golf courses, all that sort of thing. And so they would take people out there. You know, it's this incredibly long flight. They'd fly first class, and, and, uh, and they'd, let the, you know, they'd let the beaches do the selling. You know, they didn't even have to sell, sure, sell sure. place. It was so wonderful. Gorgeous and then these people would come back, and they'd be ready to talk about the Laboratory of Liberty or whatever the hell it was. And Patrick Pizzella ran that, that program at the, uh, at the lobbying agency. Uh, at the lobby firm, I mean. And do you want to know an interesting thing? Mm-hmm. Then he uh, went to work for the Bush administration, and ca- I, can you guess what department the Bush people put him in? Uh, labor? <laughs> yes, Is that that's right. right, of course. I, and did I of say course. forced, forced labor? He, he, he knows so much about the subject, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he knows how to keep those workers happy and put somebody behind yeah. barbed wire. You're going to be happy, huh? Yes, and now he is, uh, according to the Washington Post, the only paid employee of the, uh, what was it called, Conservative Action Project, which mm-hmm. is, I, I admit, a group I'd never heard of before I read this Washington Post story. Now, another familiar name coming back, Grover Norquist. Yeah, Grover is back. Uh, uh, you know, his Wednesday morning, morning meetings are very important mm. for the uh, leadership of the you know, Tea Party uh, movement, such as it is. And, in fact, the very first Tea Parties, the, I went to one of these, it was about a year ago, uh, Grover's group, Americans for Tax Reform, Grover's group sponsored them. They, that's who put them on. Uh, and, uh, you know, we should take a step back here. Grover was, you know, as everybody knows, Grover was... Jack Abramoff's best friend. Uh, they were sort of uh, colleagues in all kinds of different enterprises over the years. Uh, and, you know, Grover got a lot of criticism during the Abramoff scandal because uh, his, his, uh, his Wednesday meetings were basically a stage for uh, Abramoff's various clients to talk about, you know, how, what great uh, libertarians they were. But, you know, he was also, do, he was also uh, 
they were they were uh, running money through Grover's accounts. They were sort of uh, using using uh, Americans for Tax Reform as a conduit from Jack's clients to then the people who would do the grassroots work in the fields. This sounds suspiciously it, like money laundering. Uh, I think it was all perfectly legal, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. good, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to reassure you on that point, it's uh, no, it was perfectly legal and. Uh, but to, just to, to go back, uh, Jack and Grover got their start as grassroots activists. Mm. Uh, this is, you know, they were, they were with the college Republicans. Oh, uh, right, right. Yeah, and they, they organized uh, college students all over the country. In fact, the, Jack's career began, uh, what his great claim to fame was that he organized so many, he got so many college students out to vote in the state of Massachusetts that uh, Reagan won Massachusetts, Ronald Reagan won Massachusetts in 1980, thanks to the work of Jack Abramoff. This is not a state that anyone expected Reagan to win in 1980, much as no one expected Scott Brown to win, you know, two weeks ago or three weeks, whatever, whatever it was. Mm. And then the, the, there's another character that comes up, and that's Dick Armey. And Army uh, tends to, you know, he likes to deny that he ever had anything to do with, with Jack Abramoff personally. And that's, I'm sure he's telling the truth about that. But nevertheless, lots of people on his staff, you know, those trips I was telling you about going mm-hmm. to the Marianas, lots of people on Dick Army's staff went on these trips. They were, you know, swarming over the Marianas Islands all the time, you know, having a good time out there in the tropics. And then uh, Dick Army, the, the, he was at the time the majority leader of the House of Representatives, was sort of the stalwart defender of the Marianas Islands and their right to do pretty much whatever they wanted with, uh, you know, the workers Mm -hmm. that fate had sent their way. Uh, And he is now the, uh, well, I guess you would say the de facto leader of the Tea Party movement. He's the hood ornament. He is the guy that claims to speak (laughs) to the Tea Partiers. He's, <laughs> he's the uh, you know I don't know how the Tea Partiers feel about that, but he's forever out there uh, you know claiming to represent them. Uh, his group Freedom Works sponsored a whole bunch of Tea Party training stuff back in the uh, early days of the Tea Party movement. And uh, um, he's this is another interesting fact. Up until quite recently, he was himself a very you know big lobbyist here in D.C. He had you know he worked at one of the big lobbying firms. Uh, he was uh, you know. Uh, had, you know, he, he, I mean, in some ways, he would be what you would call a super lobbyist, one of the most powerful lobbyists in town. And it's always interesting to me when a movement that, you know, claims to despise the insiders and despise Washington, D.C. so much uh, has a guy like that, you know, in its leadership. And, you know, but then again, Dick Armey claims to despise Washington, D.C., you know, and he's all, he's the Mr. Free Markets and Mr. Down with Government and all that sort of thing, so... Well, and, and you talk in, in an earlier um, uh, essay about the kind of, I think, the the backdrop, the atmosphere to all this, which is this uh, still pervasive and surprisingly still pervasive <clears throat> anti-government feeling. Um, tell us about this kind of uh, anti-government feeling that, you know, en- enables people to get out there and say the kind of things they say with a large amount of impunity. Well, I mean, the, the anti-government sensibility has been around you know, for a long time, this is really what what drives the right uh, in this country. And you know, it's it's fascinating to me that uh, well, look, we're we're living in an age of epic 
government failure. It's very easy to, to dislike Washington these days when Washington has dropped the ball on so many things. You know, when you're talking about like toxic spinach, lead paint on, on kids' toys, you know, the, the Toyota safety thing, and, you know, the biggest disaster of them all, the, you know, the, the complete failure to regulate the banks mm-hmm. leading up to the financial crisis. And these are all really good, really compelling examples of, of government failure. And so when people, you know, get out there uh, on the, the, you know, town square or whatever and holler about how much they hate government, it's real easy to understand. The problem is that the, you know, the easy explanation, why do these things happen? Why do these things keep happening? The easy explanation is because government can't do anything right. That government is inherently bad. Government is inherently bad. And the funny thing is that was the philosophy of the people who were running these regulatory, you know, uh, departments when they screwed up. That was the philosophy. They're like, you know, government that never works. So let's defund it. You know, let's turn it over. And, and, but, but there's a different theory out there. And that's, you know, well, my theory. And <laughs> my theory is, that, you know, government fails because government has basically been sabotaged. Sure, from the inside. Okay, you've got these guys who don't believe in it, you know, putting people like Patrick Pizzella you know, making him the assistant secretary of labor, where the guy, oh, what the guy knows about labor is what he learned in the Marianas Islands, you know, being a lobbyist for the sweatshop owners. That's a, you know, that's sabotage. Uh, and and the, putting lobbyists for the bank industry in charge of the, you know, the, 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 the agencies that are supposed to regulate banks. And the end result is the banks don't get regulated. They don't get regulated, and you you know they they've turned these apart. They're they're all chummy chummy with their regulators. The regulators look the other way. The regulators, in fact, helped IndyMac to uh, you know alter their books. Uh, and this is because this is not because government always fails. This is because government has basically been conquered by industry or was. I mean, the Obama administration is something different. But in the in the Bush years and. And also in the Reagan years, in Bush, the years of Bush Sr., yes, government was basically conquered by industry and run into the ground, deliberately. And it uh, strikes me, too, that one of the problems we're seeing in this initial stage of the Obama government is there are a lot of people left over from the Bush years still left and still in those positions and still acting under those auspices and with that, you know— with that philosophy. Well, okay, yes, but there's also the, Obama, this is one different, and I'm I'm one of these guys that's 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 I'm very critical of, of the Democrats because I don't I think they never go far enough, they never mm. forthright enough, you know, they don't have any spine, all that stuff. But Obama has been very good about you know you take something like the Department of Labor, he's put in some people that really mean business there, which mm-hmm. is I mean wow that's you know that hasn't happened in a long time. He's done the same thing at the Environmental Protection Agency. Yes, um, he's done this at a, at a bunch of places. But yes, you're, I mean there's other places where he's done nothing. Um, the, his economic team, in particular, is very friendly to, to Wall Street, uh, and is a sort of classic example of this. And uh, I hope that changes. Well, I think, too, that maybe a, a lot of people just on the ground that are beneath the, the direct hand of the administration are leftovers from the previous administration. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a common, you know, what do they call that, uh, uh, burrowing in, you know, right. the common bureaucratic uh, strategy that people use. And do you I'm think... sorry, I'm just a bundle of joy, aren't I, Rick? <laughs> I mean, I'm, just, I'm so much fun to talk to. It's, uh, when I think about what I'm saying, it's, it's so depressing. 
It's very scary. Uh, now, you, do you think that uh, the Obama administration can like directly address this anti-government sentiment? And, and how do you think they should go about doing that? Uh, yes, they could, but they're not going to. The, 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 way that, the way that they could do it is, is, you know, what I was just, is, is by making, look, the thing is, you, you know, you look at something like the Tea Party movement, and they, you know, there's all these people out there, millions and millions of Americans looking at the government just screw up one thing after another, you know, the Iraq War, the financial crisis, uh, Hurricane Katrina, all of these disasters. And they're saying, well, the government never works. Government can't do anything right. Uh, fine. Obama needs to, to give us a different explanation. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a different explanation. Government doesn't work because government was sabotaged, because the, the, this, this, the, the anti-government people ran government into the ground. It's really easy to understand. It's a simple explanation. But it can't get any traction until someone like Obama, who has the ear of the press, injects it into the conversation. Mm-hmm. He could do it fairly easily, but I don't think he will. And the reason I don't think he will is because it would involve criticizing um, the previous administration, and you know that's that's you know, part of his bipartisan. I think he's being you know, dragged down by his uh, his own by the, by, the, by his his you know his desire to to make friends with the Republicans. So yeah. he can't criticize them, yeah. and so he can't explain it, and so he loses. He loses. He gets he gets tagged with the blame for that's their exactly right. problem. He that's what's happening. That's what's happening right now. Yeah. Now I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Uh, about writing these pieces, you you write one of these once a week. Um, tell me uh, how you choose your subject and, and how long your first draft turns out. And you know, talk about the writing process for you. Okay, uh, Rupert Murdoch calls me every Sunday night and said, "No, he, he doesn't tell me what to write about. <laughs> I uh, I choose my own uh, subjects. And how do I choose it? I, I I read a lot of newspapers. I read a lot of blogs. I read a lot of magazines, and." Uh, the the newspaper columns tend to be about political matters. You know, mm-hmm. uh, your listeners of yours who have, are familiar with my writing are going to say, well, you know, he used to write about, like, art, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he used to write about rock and roll, and he used to write about, uh, you know, cultural things. What, whatever happened to that? Uh, th- th- this is what I'm interested in these days. It's, it tends to be domestic politics. I'm just absolutely fascinated by it, and I'm fascinated by the Tea Party movement. And uh, you know, the whole thing is 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 very intriguing to me, and I have you know I have about three or four different themes that mm-hmm. I that I hammer at again and again and again, and so I look for something, uh, you know, a news story that's out there that 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 that, that touches one of these themes and that it has an ironic uh, sort of subtext to it. I, I go for irony. I don't know if you know this, Rick. I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm big big on irony. Mm-hmm. It, it it strikes me that. Uh... You know, there's a there's a show on Discovery Channel called uh, "Destroyed in Seconds." <laughs> what? It's this is the this is the best show that's on television. Let me tell you. What is it, it about? Like uh, when they wreck it, buildings or something? Or? Yeah, it's basically they get all this found video footage of like enormous gas tank explosions, just a complete mayhem and destruction. And that strikes me kind of that you're kind of looking for the political equivalent of. <laughs> And <laughs> writing about it, so I might suggest you give that give that show a uh, give that show an eye because uh, I will, <laughs> and, that, and that's a, that's a good way of putting it because what I write about, and you've noticed this, it's very mm-hmm. different than what your tr- your sort of typical Washington D.C. Beltway columnists write about. They all uh, start; they have this starting point, which is the system is rational. 
Mm-hmm. Voters are rational. Everybody acts in a rational way. Mm-hmm. And I don't come from that starting point. In fact, I am sort of drawn, as I said, to episodes of irony where mm-hmm. there's ironic consequences to things, where you have the Tea Party movement, which understands itself as the greatest grassroots phenomenon in history, you know, the third great awakening, whatever the hell it is. It is, in fact, <laughs> you know, led by these sort of monstrous inside the beltway, you know, uh, insiders, these really tired lobbyists, and that kind of thing. Irony. It, nothing, in my mind, nothing really works out rationally. Everything is a huge mess, you know, destroyed in seconds. Well, it's more like destroyed in weeks, but yeah. It's, it's the U.S. government, destroyed in seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I've been speaking with Thomas Frank. He's the author of One Market Under God. What's the Matter with Kansas and the Wrecking Crew? He's a columnist for the Wall Street Journal. Thank you for joining me, Thomas. You got it, Rick. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.